for the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And thanks to Jason for the monthly pledge. Now, recently somebody commented, oh, I know, you're in it for the money, not out of conviction. But you in the audience understand that it costs money to make these videos, you know, including that, yes, we have to eat. So, in fact, thanks to everyone who's been part of the recent increase in contributions. We really appreciate it. As for the guy who wrote on Facebook, quote, this science illiterate counterfactual idiot is either on the payroll of fossil fuels, animal ag, and the MIC, or should be, end quote. Well, if those folks are watching, now they know where to send the check. On the other hand, we don't appreciate hypocrisy. For instance, remember the once famous precautionary principle that unless we knew something was absolutely safe, we shouldn't do it? Which always seemed silly since fire never would have passed that test, or swimming, or eating, or being born. But in practice also, it always seemed to get applied very selectively, including today on things like nuclear power. You know, many people still seem to consider every reactor a Chernobyl waiting to happen, or a Hiroshima. And they never were that in the free world, and they certainly aren't now with modern reactor designs. But on the other hand, when the manufacturer of an electric vehicle warns you to keep it away from anything you value, the same people brush it off and say, hey everybody, into the EV. And out of the garage. General Motors just warned Chevrolet Bolt owners, quote, in an effort to reduce potential damage to structures and nearby vehicles in the rare event of a potential fire, we recommend parking on the top floor or on an open air deck and park 50 feet or more away from another vehicle, end quote. Nobody ever said that about conventional cars in the rare event of a gasoline fire. You know, perfectly safe, nothing to worry about, just you know, park it a long way from your house and run. Of course, owners who follow instructions have no reason to worry because General Motors has in fact now recalled all the bolts ever made. So this car is entirely safe provided you don't have one. If you do, quote, additionally, we still request you do not leave your vehicle charging unattended, even if you are using a charging station in a parking deck, end quote. This is starting to feel like a Monty Python sketch, especially once we also hear that a bolt takes, quote, as little as about 9.5 hours to charge. So you're meant to sit by your car for 10 hours every couple of days, watching for smoke or glowing red spots. And that's on top of earlier warnings, only charge the battery to 90%, don't run it down to nearly zero, and for heaven's sake, don't park that thing indoors. Perhaps GM messed up particularly badly. But Ford also had to recall some 20,000 hybrids in 2020, and BMW over 26,000. And if GM really goes through with its woke pledge to stop making gasoline-powered cars and trucks by 2035, the green economy could have some long unemployment lines even if they managed to leave the battery maker holding the blazing bag on this one and bankrupt them too. Yeah, of course, there are often teething problems with new technology. But the boosters told us this one was ready. Whereas instead, for instance, in Germany, there's a move toward banning EVs from parking underground altogether, partly because of two very famous, disastrous electric bus fires. But if all Germans were told tomorrow they couldn't park their existing cars underground, it would be an economic disaster, not a comic little news item. And if they were all ordered to buy a new kind of car first and then told they can't park it underground, it would be worse. And now, a word from our sponsor. And that's you. Because at the Climate Discussion Nexus, we're dependent upon support from our viewers and our readers. Please go to our donate page, make a one-time pledge, or if you can, a monthly one. I'm not talking a lot of money, though. If you've got it, we'll take it. 
$2 a month, $3, $5. That's the sustaining funding that we need to produce these videos on our newsletter. And now, back to me. Oh, by the way, I wanted to let you know that we are going to be off for a couple of weeks, so we won't be putting out the newsletter or these videos. But there's lots to check out in the archive. This tendency of the new green economy to plunge us into the red isn't just electric vehicles. In Britain, the government recently boasted of spending £160 million to retrofit some 38,000 social housing properties. Quote, warmer, greener, and cheaper homes as government opens a triple-win upgrade for social housing, end quote, the press release tootled. But even on their very optimistic assumptions, the total gain will be around £112 million, so that's a return of negative 30%. If that's a triple-win, we'd hate to see a quadruple one, especially over the whole economy. Okay, some people may be saying, but what about the hottest summer ever? It's an article of faith among many of the untutored alarmists that, quote, the warming we are now witnessing, end quote, is already causing a massive increase in extreme weather that even the IPCC thinks might happen, but didn't yet. So, from the media cheap seats, we get Apocalypse Now, quote, the U.S. just had its hottest summer on record. This summer beat the record set by the Dust Bowl summer of 1936, when huge parts of the West and the Great Plains were parched by severe drought, end quote. But then they give the game away when they admit that the difference was less than 0.01 degrees Celsius. Nobody knows what the temperature of the whole U.S. was to a hundredth of a degree back in 1936, or today. NBC nevertheless swings wildly with, quote, the heat record caps off a season full of extremes, with parts of the country experiencing persistent drought, wildfires, record-breaking heat waves, hurricanes, and other extreme weather exacerbated by climate change. So there you go, kitchen sink and all. But it's just invention or superstition. The data doesn't show that such things are increasing. And putting all that aside, there'd be no heat record if they hadn't adjusted the 1930s temperatures downward. And the newer networks, which are dedicated to screening out the urban heat island, show no warming since 2005, which makes it kind of hard to believe that it built to a continent-wide record for heat. Let's talk facts here. Now, Tony Heller is very good at combing the archives, and he turned up a story about the 1901 heat wave that saw Broadhead, Wisconsin, break the 95-degree Fahrenheit mark for 18 straight days in July. And he says, quote, heat like that is incomprehensible now, end quote. And indeed, Broadhead didn't break that mark once this July, or August, or June. And Paul Dorian points out that if you look at all-time temperature records by state in the United States, the 1930s has 34 of them, the 1910s have 10, and no other decade has more than 5. The total's above 50 because there are ties. Even so, 2021 must be the hottest ever, no matter what thermometers or satellites say. As in Antarctica. When you say that it's cooling, not warming, you get some funny looks and some funny stories, like the non-climate scientist at the state-run Australian Broadcasting Corporation saying, quote, our action in reducing ozone depletion is, in the short term, offsetting some of the impacts greenhouse gases are having on summer rainfall systems in the southern hemisphere, end quote, by moving the southern annular mode this way or that. And as usual, we don't really know much about the southern annular mode, which is some wind, including its past behavior or the actual causes of its behavior. But the point is, since Antarctica must be warming, but it's not, something must be hiding the warming, and you might do. Or not, since NBC just said, quote, ozone hole over Antarctica larger than usual, scientists say, end quote. Which kind of puts the kibosh on a shrinking ozone hole hiding the warming, at least outside the climate funhouse. Even within it, 
and at the other end of the planet, we thought polar bears had vanished as climate change poster beasts because they stubbornly failed to vanish in real life. But now we hear that, quote, Norway's polar bears turned to inbreeding cannibalism to survive climate change studies show, end quote. That's really disgusting. And also hard to believe. And indeed, it quickly turns out that, quote, a recent study found that the genetic diversity of bears in Norway's Arctic has decreased by 10% as sea ice loss causes habitat fragmentation, end quote. Which isn't quite the lurid account we were promised of getting frisky with your sister and then eating her. Especially since it's been going on for decades. So... When exactly did the climate apocalypse hit again? And besides, who thinks that lions, tigers, and bears, and for that matter, Allosaurus and Spinosaurus, didn't have a pattern of populations getting isolated and seeing falling genetic diversity and then wandering back to the main herd or dying out? For instance, how about the time some grizzlies went north and, isolated from their fellows, turned white? And who thinks they weren't eating each other when they felt like it already anyway? Wikipedia confirms that, quote, the polar bear, Ursus maritimus, is a hypercarnivorous bear, end quote, and adds that, quote, polar bears may attempt to consume almost anything they can find, including styrofoam, plastic, car batteries, ethylene glycol, hydraulic fluid, and motor oil, end quote. And other polar bears? Oh yeah. The original news story quotes an expert that, quote, cases of cannibalism among polar bears are a long-established fact, but we're worried that such cases used to be found rarely, while now they are recorded quite often, end quote. But being recorded more often because researchers are looking for climate clickbait isn't the same as doing it more often, now is it? If you're hoping to buy Peace from the Alarmist regardless, well, a recent article in the New York Times by Auden Schendler, who's the author of Getting Green Done, winner of Awards and Praise Beyond Counting, and is now Senior VP of Sustainability with the Aspen Skiing Company, says most companies are just faking it on climate. Quote, everybody's going carbon neutral these days, from the big boys, Amazon, Microsoft, Unilever, Starbucks, JetBlue, to your favorite outdoor brand, even ski resorts, end quote. But, sadly, quote, carbon neutrality doesn't achieve any sort of systemic change, end quote. And, quote, distressingly, most businesses don't want to play in that arena, end quote. Yeah, maybe because those games always end with the lions eating the prisoners. Corporations that think they can appease the activists learn otherwise sooner or later. And speaking of learning things sooner or later, this week's newsletter, in honor of our video on Big Trouble in the Tropical Troposphere closing in on 30,000 views in its first month, Thank you all for watching. If you didn't watch yet, please do, and please send money whether or not you're in the MIC. We look at the UN IPCC's AR6 discussion of the same discrepancy between models and observations in that part of the atmosphere that our video talks about. And they too know it's real, and they too know it matters. We also look at Greenland, where journalists regularly seize on random local warm weather or rain events as proof of unprecedented warming and the imminent collapse of the entire ice cap and the flooding of coastal cities. But a new study by 15 mostly American-based Earth scientists discovered that parts of Greenland recently exposed by retreating ice were also ice-free quite recently. In fact, it seems the minimum for that ice cap might have been about 5,000 years ago, and then it expanded again until about 300 years ago. Which means, yes, Virginia, there was a little ice age, and no, never mind runaway warming spelling doom. Also, never mind tofu. Because this week, from CO2Science.org, we instead bring you Brazilian ginseng, Fafia glomerata, which is a medicinal herb also regarded as an aphrodisiac. Ah, that got your attention. And here's the deal. If you want your Brazilian ginseng feeling frisky, uncork, you guessed it, the CO2. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and those are the bare facts. <laughs>